So welcome to Beer Life. I don't know what episode we're on. Uh, Bruce and I were just talking about this because um, they said I was pretty organized about having podcast episodes, but I'm not really that organized. So um, so let's get into it. Uh, my guest today on Beer Life is Bruce and Beer. Hey. Welcome Thank to you. the program. And um, the intro I'm going to do for you because of kind of how we got in touch this second time around um, is through uh, Diversity in Brewing. Yep. And the verbatim from the, the website, uh, Diversity in Brewing, uh, is our objective is to promote and foster a diverse, respectful, and welcoming brewing industry in Vancouver, BC, and beyond. We will connect breweries to resources to help create spaces and cultures that are anti-racist, anti-discriminatory, and, and inclusive. So we're going to get into that, and that's going to take up the majority of it. Yeah, I think So let's start with the light <laughs> stuff first. Um, where are you from? How did you get into beer? What brought you... Um, from from your youth, not saying you're not youthful now. Oh, I uh, love you. <laughs> you're so sweet. <laughs> um, what brought you uh, into the Vancouver craft beer scene? Um, well, I got into, I guess, craft beer. I use the term loosely. Um, when I was living in Alberta, uh, the terrible pub down the street from me had a raspberry wheat ale on tap. And I was like, what is this? I grew up in the East Coast. It was Keith's or nothing. Yeah. And if you didn't drink Keith's, God help you, because you are not one of us. Um, so I was like, what is this raspberry thing? I need to, I need to try this. Um, so I had it. And I was like, oh, this is drinkable. This is not the usual swill I've had at college parties. Um, so I asked, who makes this? Because like, clearly this is your house beer. They're like, oh, it's Wild Rose. We get it at, like, at cost. And I was like, Wild Rose, take a note. Uh, so I went out and I just drank Wild Rose for three years in Calgary, moved back to Halifax. And the first thing I did was like get on, like, I literally went to Google.com. That's how long ago this yeah. was. <laughs> it was like craft beer in Halifax. And there was Rogue's Roost a brew pub, which hilariously, the owner would only fill his own growlers. Oh, wild. You could not bring in... <laughs> like, people would do it just to, just to piss him off. Yeah. It's hilarious. Rogue's Roost, uh, Propeller, and Garrison. Okay. So I drank a lot of Garrison. Yeah. Um, Propeller was a bit hit and miss at the time. Um, and Rogue's Roost, I would just go because it was downtown and easy to get to after my classes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then I moved to Vancouver because my wife is from here. Okay. And... We just she likes beer, I like beer, so we just kind of started like looking around for cool beer to have in Vancouver, and it's it's been cool to see the scene just kind of like evolve. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, so interesting Keith's anecdote. Um, okay. So I was in Halifax. This would have been three years ago now, I guess. Oh, for the, the CBAs. Canadian, yeah. CBAs when Dagger had one, and um, I'd never been to Halifax before. Um, I actually never been further east than Toronto, and. Um, and so I get there, Jamie and I, we had the best night. It was awesome. People were so friendly, went to Stillwell, went to, like, it was just great. And we only had three nights there. And then I went to, uh, we were at the Dave from Powell, and we're like, oh, there's the Keith's, the actual Keith's Brewery's oh, here. Oh, no, you didn't do yeah. it. So oh, we you went, did the tour? We, 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 no, we oh. didn't go on the tour, okay, but we good. went and checked it out. And it's beautiful, like, the courtyard and everything. Yeah, they've restored that very well. Yeah, and so I went in, and we had a... And they had like their Keith's craft lineup, right? <laughs> and so we had one, we're like, okay, this, is, this sucks, let's move along. But... And it wasn't Keith's fault. I'm not going to say that because I ended up having the flu. But it's after I had that beer, I started to feel sick. And I literally spent the next two days and two nights in my hotel room bed. I missed the only thing I came out for was that night, the award night, because uh, we were getting an award and watched Dagrad win, which was great. I was glad I was there because yeah. Mitch was at our table. And But the whole, my whole oh, Halifax no. experience was just me being sick in my hotel room. And so I have to go back. Yeah, you really do. But not to Keith's. No. So, so... <laughs> Uh, did you and your wife meet in Halifax then to come to Vancouver? Or? Uh, we actually met online in 2004. Okay. So we've been friends for a while. 2004. So I'm trying to think. Um, 
because how would you meet online in 2004? What was, what existed in 2004 to meet online? A message board. A message board, okay. <laughs> a message board, yeah. But not like Reddit, because Reddit wasn't around. There was no, no, this was like a legitimate, like you post a message and then people could quote it and reply. Um, cool. And then it was, it was a music one. So we met because of like, we're both music nerds. Um, and yeah, we just started talking and we remained friends. When I was living in Alberta, I would fly out to Vancouver for concerts and just crash with friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then she came to visit me in Halifax when I was there for grad school, and then we were just like, eh, this is probably going to be a thing, so yeah. cool. Uh, so we did distance for a bit, and then I moved here about 10 years ago. Okay, and so you're getting into, um, when you first started to get into the Vancouver craft beer scene, who was kind of around, where, where were your spots that you'd hit up, what would you drink? Oh, man. We lived in the West End, so there was not a lot. Yeah. Um, the park, when they did the, when Checkers became the park and they did that craft beer lineup, we would go there, drink a lot of Fat Tug, a lot of House Sound. Uh, we actually got married at Steamworks. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, wow. Right on. <laughs> yeah, we got married at Steamworks. I said as a joke, like, let's have the wedding at Steamworks. And she's like, I'm going to make a call right now. Wow. <laughs> I was like, oh, I should make joke suggestions way more often. Yeah, no kidding. Get stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we drank a lot of Steamworks, House Sounds, um, R&B Cream Ale, and Dark Star. Like, that was like oh, my Dark go-to Star, for yeah. a while. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's been 10 years, and it's a little fuzzy now. Um, when was the last time you had a fat tug? last week okay so because i hadn't had a fat tag in a while and i've probably said this on the podcast before because i repeat myself the whole all the time but i forgot that it's seven percent yep and like and it's a it's a it's 100 it's seven percent maybe maybe even a little bit more or at least it felt like it maybe i'm just a lightweight now but like i remember um because they'd put it in the in the 355 mil cans and or was it i can't remember it's in both it's in, it's in both. And, yeah. yeah but it was in the um in the the box right and they yep. put it in the box and I remember them telling this, and this is totally industry chat, so, I'm, so you can just tune out now for a few minutes if you're going to get bored. But <laughs> I remember hearing that they had, the, the box itself had one UPC code and one SKU, and then the individual cans inside the box had a different UPC with different SKUs on, which basically blew my mind as an amateur brewery owner. Because then the, you can sell it as a four-pack or as a single, and the BCLDB loves that. Yep. And so I bought, I bought the pack for that reason alone to look at, this is how nerdy it is to look at the UPC to make sure that I, that I, what I'd heard was true. And, um, so I had two while I was cooking dinner and then I had to go, I had to go, I was supposed to go pick up my kids from daycare. Oh no. And I was just like, I'm, I'm wasted. I can't do this. And so I had to, I had to get my mom to pick them up, which oh is my God, like, dude. Hey, I'm an adult. I'm an adult. And I had to go get my mom to pick up my kids because I'd had too many beers before, before dinner. <laughs> it, that'll, they'll do it to you though. My friend had a, a party for uh, years ago. Uh, she was like birthday party, big milestone. Uh, she's like, I'm drinking fat tugs tonight. And I was like, I hope you had dinner. She's like, yes, I did. Yeah. Three hours later. What did you actually have for dinner? A carrot. Oh, good luck. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing, too. Like, it's, I mean, it's, I mean, I know the industry's changed, or the, the scene's changed so much now, but, like, it was everybody's house IPA. So, I, I mean, so, there yeah. was a lot of people drinking 7% beer, and, uh, which is wonderful. Um, so, okay, so you, you're drinking Dark Star, and when did you, when was your first, like, gig in the industry that you would say was, like, when you started working in beer? Because oh. I know you've done that for, you've, you've had a few different, jobs in beer with people that I, I that I know um, but what was like the start of of your first gig oh, I think it was just the one with the importer a couple of years ago was okay yeah that was yeah. that was the first like oh I've done like a little bit of like volunteering with friends and stuff yeah. at festivals um, but yeah that was my my first one yeah and uh, it was cool it was really eye-opening the thing about the UPCs is hilarious because like I've known that I was like okay so I'm like what is the UPC for the can are we doing it as singles like what are, yeah. are we breaking this down so that's all like 
you guys don't know this. I will tell you these things. I will I tell you all my you. secrets. Yeah. I should have <laughs> called you because I had no idea. I was just too busy selling bomber bottles and I was just like, it was life was simple. So, um, okay. So you're, you're getting into the Vancouver craft beer scene. Um, and I've seen, um, you at events and when did you realize that, or did you always know that, that craft beer had kind of a problem? Oh, immediately. Yeah. I mean, it was beer in general. I remember seeing Budweiser ads as a kid and just thinking like, are they trying to sell me naked women or beer? Like, I'm not really sure what's going. Oh, it's the beer. Okay. Yeah. It's sexism has been rife in this since the beginning. Um, and then it's kind of progressed over the years that it's, I don't say it's insidious, but it's still, it's there and it's subtler now. Yeah. It's harder yeah. to kind of pin down. Yeah. It's, um, I know that, I mean, I come, f- my old job at, in radio was fairly, I would say it's, it's, it's fairly inclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, because you're, you're trying to cater to your audience, right? So there's lots of different segments of, of groups that you're trying to cater to, yeah. right? And so you can kind of find a job, maybe no matter how minute it is in, in radio. And I think podcasts are changing that now where it's radio, is, radio isn't needed as much because people can, you know, um, people can listen to what they care about through, through a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, but, um, but when I got into craft beer, um, it was eye-opening. I remember my first craft brewers conference in um, Denver, and I was like, "Oh, okay, it's just a bunch of white dudes and beards, right?" Yeah. And, and <laughs> but it's funny because back then I kind of just would chuckle to myself about it, right? And then I'm like, "Oh, this is weird. They just look like Jamie and I, except Jamie and I don't have beards yet, and like, we need to grow beards." If <laughs> anybody's coming in nicely, by thank the way. you. I'm like, if anybody is going to take us seriously, we need to get some beards, and um, and so, but. On the, my first episode ever of Beer Life with Ben Coley, we ended the episode with talking about, about women in beer and how that, five, five six years ago, that was the problem, right? Yeah. Or, or how we interpreted the problem, right? It's like, how do we get more women into beer? And, but as over the years, our taste room seems to have uh, evolved into a little bit more of, you know, it's not just a bunch of 40 old white guys in here, mm-hmm. Right. But at the same point in time, from the industry point of view, from, you know, behind the scenes, um, it still kind of seems a little bit of the same. Yeah. And, and so I think, you know, as, as a brewery owner, trying to figure out, okay, well, where, where does the problem start? And have, has there been so much damage over the years that it's going to take another five years to be able to be like, please, everybody come back to like, come to craft beer. It's, 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 you know, it's safe here. Or do you think it's just way deeper than that? And there's just so much more that I'm not even thinking about. I think you can, I think you can get it back to actually being inclusive and not just performatively inclusive. Yeah. It's going to take work though. And it's going to take work from ownership right down to tasting room staff. Um, I mean the comment about white guys, like there's certain places in Vancouver. Um, I just don't go because I know the clientele is mostly white dudes and, looking as I do, they don't really take too kindly to the obvious queer in the room sometimes. So I, I, I stick to what I know is safe and where I can go, um, which I also realize is probably not great because I should be going to these places and queering the space and making these people question their biases. Right. That's, that's the first time I've ever heard that queering the space. So <laughs> that is, you know, obviously making the people in the room just realize that this, this place is inclusive or yeah. is it just, it's forcing the conversation by by using, you know, you being there, I guess. It's, yeah, it's both. There was a, a group in Halifax used to do, um, uh, I forget the name of it, it's like a queer flash mob. They would pick a non-gay bar. I mean, there was only two in Halifax at the time. Yeah. They would pick a pub or a bar and say, at 10 o'clock, we're all going to go, and we're all going to go and wear rainbows, wear glitter, and just queer the space 
for two hours and then leave. Yeah. And bars, a few bars were like, oh, no, oh, God, are the, are the gays coming? Are the gays coming tonight? Oh, no. What do we do? Because it would be very, it would be very Weird. subtle and quiet. Like, yeah. It would be just like the underground railroad of gays. Like, okay, yeah. tonight we're going to Dirty Nellies. Let's go. And you could just see a bit of the tension, like, in the staff. Like, are they coming? Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Whereas on my, I'd be like, like one of the, I mean, I knew us, I mean, it's, it's fucking, it's hard sitting here who, you know, being me, right? Cisgendered, white male. <laughs> talking about like what I think new S being inclusive. Right. And you know, at the, the benefit of having the tasting room is that we get to see who comes to the doors. Right. And you know, we're obviously like new S pride, which we've always been a big part of is August. So for, for whatever new S wants to do it a different month, which I think they do it the week after Vancouver pride ends. Mm-hmm. I think it's, that's the kickoff. And the favorite night for all of our staff is when we have, you know, the kickoff to new S pride and we host it. Right. And because it's just a fun it's a fun night. Everybody's in a good space. Everybody's partying pretty good. You'd think that when, you know, the underground railroad of, of queers, as you say, would go, <laughs> that people would be like, okay, here we go. This is going to be the good night. This is going to be great. Right. Yeah. But obviously that's not the case. No, I made the comment on, on another podcast that, um, a lot of straight dudes fear gay men because they think that the gay men will treat them the way they treat straight women. Fuck that's, that's yeah. Okay. <laughs> that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, that's a really good. That's a that's fucking deep, actually. <laughs> I have a background in gender studies. What can I say? Yeah, yeah. Shit, I wish I would listen back and write it down because that. Yeah, that's no. That makes a fucking ton of sense. I, I remember, and this is how insecure I am. I remember going to celebrities once because my friend Daryl used to DJ there, um, and I was just upset that no one hit on me. I'm like, what's wrong with, what's wrong with like, you know, and with that haircut, I don't know, man, maybe it's a little, yeah. little, too, little too straight. I didn't have, you know, and all, yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> you're probably right. Um, they were like, oh, he's probably married. We're not going to go there. They, it just, it was written all over my face. Right. <laughs> and, um, okay. So when, when the, um, the black lives movement, which I hate saying movement because it's been going on for, for a while and, but yet every every, you know, I mean, I remember it came into the social media realms, you know, a, a few years ago. And obviously it's, it's back with full force with, with what happened to George Floyd and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so once that kicked off, uh, I noticed that you were a little bit more active in, in the space and basically calling out, you know, calling out breweries, being like, hey, like you guys have posted this black box on, on, on the Tuesday, but like you haven't said anything. Like what, where do you stand? And I yeah. think I know that you know, my, our, our parents probably generation was always of this mindset that, you know, you separate business from, from any kind of social or political cause. Right. And, but we all know that that's not the, that's not what people want anymore. Right. And it's not mm. what we should be doing either. Right. You know, we, people, I mean, I know I personally want to buy from a business that aligns with my values exactly as a human it. being. Yeah. Right. And, um, and then, so I think we're all trying to figure out how to navigate you know, what, what should be said. I know for, you know, for Steel and Oak, we're not a big place. It's literally just me at home being, saying to my wife, Alyssa, like, does this look good? It, like, this is what I feel, but do, do you think, how do you think this is people going to react to this? Like, what, what are people going to say? Right. Yeah. And, um, and so I, I'd noticed that you'd been reaching out and, and calling out breweries. And, um, but then when I dove deeper into it, I'd noticed a tweet that you had written that basically said that you, there's only three tasting rooms that you feel comfortable in. Yep. And so that was kind of an eye-opening, you know, thing. So are you okay with telling me those three tasting rooms beforehand so we can at least look to them and be like, 
well, at least we know that those people are doing it right. And can you let me know kind of what the major things are of why you don't feel comfortable in, in certain tasting rooms? Yeah. Uh, off the rail. Yeah. Um, uh, that's a bit of a biased thing. I do know the owner. Yeah. Uh, but I also know firsthand that the staff will not put up with any bullshit from, from patrons. There yeah. was a guy in there one night. Um, he was drunk and he should have been served. And the bartender said, sorry, dude, can't, I got to legally, I can't serve you. And he called her a cunt. And she freaked out, and he was getting really belligerent. Someone ran to get the brewer, yeah, big tall dude. And he came out, and he just got the guy by the shirt, and he was just like, time for you to leave. And he's like, no, I, do, I deserve a drink. And he's like, you do not deserve a drink. Get out. And if I see you in here again, I will call the cops. Yeah. But he came back two days later. So they went to get the brewer again. He gets him, and he's like, you had one warning. Yeah. Goodbye. Uh, and he's not been back since. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, so I know if anything goes down, I have support. Yeah. Um, brass neck, same thing. Yeah. I know, like, I know Nigel. I love when they're walking, hello, you two. <laughs> the growly voice on him. Um, but yeah, I know, I know if anything goes there, like, I can, any of the staff, Nigel, like, you know, this guy is bugging me, this person's bugging me, can we, can we work on this? It would be fine. Uh, strange Fellows, same thing. Also, yeah. Strange Fellows, oh, God, a year and a half ago, put up signs on their bathrooms that are not gendered, saying, all gender is welcome. Yeah. Which is wildly important. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, had, I had a list later of, like, what thing, what, things that people could do like if you're we've got a lot of brewery owners that listen to this yeah like what could you do like right now like before (laughs) you open today to you know make the space more inclusive and i think that's that is a a great and easy one to check off your your list do you have a printer and a computer just type up all genders welcome in this bathroom and just tape it up yeah ours is crooked (laughs) i noticed it this morning it's not straight which i approve of (laughs) (laughs) i wonder if shelly our tasting manager did that on purpose that's (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So those were the three. Yeah. And, and Storm, but Storm is in a tasting room. But for sure. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they have the weird little palette patio thing going on now. Which That's is, right. With, which is true to Storm. With old chemical containers. Yeah. But they've been clean. They're clean. They're so. clean. James yeah. has not sat in those that I know of, so he's oh, not mashed in. <laughs> I have. I I shared a train ride with James down to Oregon or down to Portland. Um, <laughs> we were on this. We took the early train. This this will go on for way too long. So I'll I'll just say that it was the one of the best experiences in my life because I never really, I've always known of James, but I've never really got to sit down and talk with him. But then we shared, um, uh, two seats together side by side for like eight hours. Yeah. <laughs> so I felt like I got to know him incredibly well yeah. and it was wild. He's, uh, he's a good dude. I like that. Man. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was, it was awesome. And, um, okay. So you feel comfortable in, in those three and a half with storm. Um, <laughs> yeah. What makes you feel uncomfortable immediately when you walk through a door of a tasting room and, and you look around, you're like, fuck, like what, what does that? Um, I mean, if, if the clientele is mostly like middle-aged white guys, I'm just like, well, you're not really doing a lot to promote inclusivity. Um, I've actually had a few experiences at some places. I'm not, I'll name them off the record, Mm -hmm. um, where my wife and I, we don't wear matching wedding rings because I broke mine at a drag show and she lost hers. Um, we're fun at parties. Um, <laughs> so we were, we were sitting at the bar and this guy was a little bit belligerent and he's trying to like flirt with my wife because she looks way more femme than I do. Although not right now. She's pretty tough looking. Um, but he was just like, but your rings don't match. Like you can't really be married. And I was like, that's not how that works, man. And yeah. he was getting like really aggressive and he was like, well, you're fucking lying to me. You're fucking lying to me. You're not actually married. And I'm like, so I, the owner happened to be there. I was like, can we get rid of this drunk guy? He's like actively harassing us. Yeah. And the owner looks at him and is like, oh, he's got a pretty big tab. Just move. I'm like, your tasting room is actually over capacity right now. 
Uh, there's nowhere for us to go. Yeah. I'm just going to pay my tab and never come back here. I've not been back there in six years, wow. five years. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, it's because we run these small spaces, right? And the taste room is important to revenue, obviously. But, yeah. but I think just based on like what's, what I at least thought, and obviously it's not entirely the case with everybody, but what's cool about this industry is that there's always this, the customer is always right mentality. And I've always been pretty proud that like to tell our team, like the customer is not right. You are right. Yeah. Like, and so you get to decide and if you feel, you know, you can tell anybody to fuck off and leave. If, if you don't feel comfortable, if they're doing something that they shouldn't be or making people feel uncomfortable, don't even worry about getting their tab paid. Just be like, you know what? Yeah. Your last beer at Steel and Oaks on us. Don't come back here. Yeah. Right. And don't buy our beer when you're out there too, because we don't want people being seen. We don't want you being seen with our, with our beer. Right. Yeah. And I think like that's kind of the unique thing, or at least what I felt was the unique thing about our industry is that, you know, there is this kind of. I guess at least in theory, there's this social activism kind of, you know, craft beer is supposed to be badass, right? It's supposed to be non-conforming. It's supposed to be, um, yeah, it's supposed to be punk a little bit, right? And yeah. like, but not but, like BrewDog punk. <laughs> no, not BrewDog punk. And, uh, but, um, but it's obviously changed over the years, right? And I even look at our own, like Steel and Oak, don't get me wrong, is the furthest thing from punk, Right. Uh, even Dave at Powell's not punk anymore. I hope he's not listening, <laughs> but, but it's, you know, because we're selling beer to more people. So it, 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 it has to look a certain way on, on package. Right. But that doesn't mean that we still can't have those, you know, those convictions of like, well, this is what we stand for. Right. Yeah. And I think this whole, this whole process of, of everything that's been going on lately, I think is, is good because I think internally breweries, I know we are at Steel and Oak are having conversations of what do we stand for? Right. Mm-hmm. You have your, you have your mission statement or whatever, right? But like really you have, you have to have values as just human yeah. beings, right? And this is what, you know, this is what Steel and Oak stands for, right? And, and to make sure that everybody's okay with, your team is okay with, that those are your values. And well, if, if you're, if you believe in them, then you should put them on the wall and yes, you should you let should. people know, yeah. right? And um, I've always liked Portland about, like when you go to Portland, like if people are just unapolog- unapologetic, right? They're just mm-hmm. like, yeah, if, if you know, if you don't like everybody, you can fuck off and not come in here, right? Like there's, yeah. you know. I mean, at the end of the day, you are still running a business and you have to turn a profit. Yeah. But there's nothing saying you can instill your values into your business and your product and your model, like from the top down. Like if you want to be inclusive, it's one thing just to like stick a pride sticker on your door and say you're inclusive. Yeah. But if you aren't putting the work in and if you aren't actually backing up that sticker with actual signage and, and processes and training, then you're not actually inclusive. No. And it's not up to a straight person to say we're inclusive. That's up for us to come in, sit down, and be like, am I, am I welcome here? Do I feel like I can be safe here? Yes, this place is good. Yeah. If I walk in and I'm immediately confronted by, like, a dude in a Trump hat, I'm out the door and I'm not coming back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and you're, and it, you're right. It's not for, for people like me to decide whether it's comfortable or not, right? And I think that's been this, this cha- the change, right? It's like yeah. you think you're doing enough, but who the fuck am I to, to say that, right? I don't... I don't I don't walk in your shoes and you don't walk in mine. Right. So how yeah. do we, outside of communicating with each other about it? Like we don't, you don't, you don't know what it's like to take care of two little boys and you don't want to. No, I do not want to. No, no I have a cat. That's enough. Yeah. And, no, they're great most of the time, but, <laughs> um, but, um, but yeah, so it's, 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 um, a friend of mine who's a school teacher in the Surrey school district. Um, him and I have been talking about this a lot and, uh, and he's a doer, right? He's, he's a guy that wants to, to change the world through kids. Right. Yeah. And, um, some of the positives that he'd been telling me about is like students now 
Um, so kids that are, you know, 13 through 16, it's like, it's, he's like, at least at our school, it's like commonplace to introduce yourself, tell the person what kind of pronoun you'd like. And like, it's just, they don't even, he's like, it's not like when, when we were kids, right? I'm 37. And like, he's like, it seems like everybody's just really open about it. Right. But there's still obviously issues. There's still work to be done. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the, the quote that he, he had texted me, um, after Steel and Oak had made, um, kind of, we've made our statement on online and I'd kind of run through with him, like what we were going to plan and doing internally, right. To like try and, I guess just try and make sure that people, when they apply to work here, when they be like, you know what, Steel and Oak seems like a good place to work that they, they know why, right. That they know that we're inclusive and that we want, you know, we want a diverse staff and we want, you know, to have, a group of people that can, you know, can, can come at problems, make solutions from a, from a different point of view. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, but he, he gave me this quote that says, was nothing about us without us. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's, it's okay. So I, it's, I can't make policy. I can make policy, but I have to, I should run it by, you know, like you said, it's, it's up to you when you walk through the door, yeah. if, if it feels like a safe space, right. Yeah. It's not for me to walk through the door and be like, yeah, this feels safe to me. We've got the sign up. We're good. Yeah. Right. And so I think that's the important thing. If, if you're, you know, brewery owner listening right now, it's like, it's that you need to have a group that you can, you know, make the changes, but don't think that you're the, you're yeah. the, the person that can decide whether you've done the job properly or not. Yeah. And I mean, the thing like the, for me to like plan, even like my, I have friends who live in New West for us to plan a night out. Um, for me personally, it's like, okay, I'm taking transit. I have to make sure I'm back on the train before it gets too dark and I get hassled again. Where are we going? Okay, what's the bathroom situation like? Is it gendered? Okay, it is gendered. How should I dress tonight? Is it going to make me uncomfortable if I'm presenting in a way that doesn't fit what I actually am? Am I going to get hassled in the bathroom again like I did last time? Let's see how this goes. I need, like, the buddy system when I go in. Like, it's just, it's so much effort just to go out for dinner sometimes. And that's something that a lot of people don't even factor in. Like, yeah. I can, like you can just go, like, I'm going to the keg tonight. Let's have fun. Yeah. I'm like, where is it? How am I getting there? What's the situation like? Is it safe? And that's the same thing with breweries. I go in and I'm like, oh, God, gendered bathroom. Okay, let's go. Yeah. Um, so I, sometimes I end up using, like, one that I'm not cool with, and I definitely get looks. But I'm just like, I just have to pee. Yeah. <laughs> that's so fucked that you have to go through that in your mind first before, like, you know. Every time. Every time I go somewhere new, I'm like, okay, let's look at the Instagram. Let's look at their social media. Let's look at their website. Like, what am I getting into? Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. That's, yeah, that's messed up because it's something you're right that I never consider, right? Sure, as a kid growing up, I'd be like, "Oh, should I be on the SkyTrain late? Like, you know, will yeah. I get jumped? Whatever, right?" But, <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's just never crosses my mind, especially the bathroom thing. I, I'll tell you an embarrassingly embarrassing story because I think it's important that obviously <laughs> that other brewery owners that are that are listening are like, "Okay, you can be a dummy, and you just need someone to just call yeah. your shit, right?" And so, um, obviously, like Steel and Oak, I'm I'm really into design. I'm a bit of a design nerd. I'm not good at design. Like, I'm not I'm not artistic, um, but I like clean lines. I like you know, I, really? Because you can't tell from any of the artwork in here <laughs> yeah, whatsoever. Right? I know. I, so I changed that. Heather, who who was in charge of our program before, I, hopefully she's not listening because I I wanted to change this. Just um, she was running this wonderful art program and um, and talk about somebody I really relied on um, for um, how to operate in you know in a in a sphere that's not my own, right? And she would always call me out on like you can't do that, Jordan. Or we should do this, right? We should make sure that we have low seats so that people you know that people that might be heavier can sit somewhere and they don't have to feel uncomfortable sitting on these small chairs. Right. She had taken a class at, at Quantlin. I'd never even heard about it and I'm going to fucking butcher it. So I'm sorry, but it was like, um, she's gender studies as well, actually, I believe. And, 
but her class was on how to make spaces um, uh, inclusive for different body types. Yep, I've heard of those classes, yeah. yeah. And Steel Nook's always been high tops, right? And so those low seats are over there because of Heather. So, um, you know, every time you come in, Heather, you can be proud that those seats are there because you called me out. And that's something that I didn't even think about, right? But anyways, so opening Steel and Oak, I'm thinking I'm so fucking creative. I'm like, okay, we're going to make our, our washroom sign look like the Steel and Oak logo. So it says wash room, like the Steel and Oak. And then underneath where it says Brewing Co., it says men and women. And um, so I would have been 30. Uh, uh, we just opened. And Kat, who still works, she's on maternity leave right now, but she's day one. She still works with us. <laughs> and um, a wonderful human being is like, you can't do that. I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, well, it says men and women. What if? And, I, and as soon as she, she said that, I was like, oh, you fucking dummy, Jordan. <laughs> like, what were you thinking? Right. But it I just, love hearing that your, your staff are like, dude, what the fuck? <laughs> well, I, well it's, we like to sometimes to my chagrin, they're a little bit, you know, I was like, come on, show me some respect, guys. But no, they... I mean, we've always had a pretty like open company where you're like, you, you, the only way that we're going to be a better space or operate in a, in a better way, whether it's making beer in the back or operating the taste room is when we call each other out on things that we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And I'm quickly realizing that, um, I've always felt like I was young, but now I'm quickly realizing that I'm getting older and out of touch. Right. And, um, and, and my, and how I focus my life has been different now with kids. So I've, I, I don't have as much time to like learn as much as I used to let, as I used to. Right. So now I'm, I'm really reliant upon my team being diverse and, 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 or at least having some knowledge to be like, Jordan, that doesn't make sense. And this is why, right. It's, you know, it's that nothing about us without us. It's like, well, I'm making the policy changes, but I literally have no fucking idea what I'm doing and I need somebody to help me. Right. Yeah, totally. And, um, so not to, talk because I'm talking way too fucking much, which I do. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry. Right. Um, okay. So which brings me to my next, uh, topic, which is diversity in brewing mm-hmm. and, um, which I immediately really loved because it was like, um, it was helpful. <laughs> it was <It's> super, actionable. <laughs> it was super helpful. Right. Yeah. You know, for the first half, um, you know, for the last few weeks I've been like, okay, what are we doing wrong? Right. And, and, and I know that you know, I have to do my own research, do my own learning, but um, sometimes it's nice for somebody to just be like, hey, Steel Oak, do this, because yeah. this will help immediately, because I think a lot of us are just, we want to do something, but we're all, we're all just trying to figure out what the best way to do it is, and then we're all nervous that we're going to do it wrong. Yeah, I think there's a lot of fear in the industry now about, like, making a misstep and having, like, the angry shark come after you again, like, need Jaws theme in the background, tent, 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 oh god, he's coming. Yeah. Um, but yeah, when, when I was approached for this, um, I was just like, yeah, this, this is great. This sounds, and actually, my, my friend messaged me like, dude, this is so awesome. And I was like, yeah, I'm not really sure who's behind it yet. I'm working on that. And yeah. she was like, oh, I assume this was you because this, this has you written all over it. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'm very flattered, but I don't have that level of skill. I assumed it was you too. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm very flattered. No, yeah. it's, a, it's a collaborative effort. So there's a few people involved. Um, yeah, so I was approached, and I and you know the conversation came up like, "What's your area of expertise?" What do you, I was like, "Well, obviously, gender studies, queer theory." Um, and I was like, "Look, I'm very happy just to do like a very, very basic list of eight, ten things the breweries can do now as an actionable to just kind of get the ball rolling." I'm not going to handhold to the whole thing. I'm very happy to go talk to breweries too. Like, I'm if you want to hire Bruce for an hour to yeah. talk about being queer inclusive, I'll come talk to you. Sounds great. But this is just one thing you can do. And this is the groundwork. It's up to you guys to take this and run with it. 
and yeah. enacted and make sure it's still enacted. Like you, you can't just like put the sign up like all gender restroom, put a trans flag up, put a pride flag up and be like, we're inclusive. Yeah. No, you have to like train your staff, you know, don't use gendered pronouns. Don't say, hey, ladies, hey, gents, because that shits me to no end. Oh, and it's the hardest thing to fucking change. Like we've been trying to change that for Daniel, our, our um, one of the guys that works here, who got a job at um, before COVID at, at Arbor on uh, the Acorn. And he kept kept saying it hey gentlemen and his manager is like you can't yep. do that <laughs> right and he's been in hospitality for years yeah. right and it's it's uh so that i think was i immediately sent that out to everybody because that's very helpful and how to address um you know people when they walk through the door like hi folks how are you doing tonight yeah. right yeah hey crew how's it how are you yeah 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 um so that's that's one thing and like just ingrain that from from top down and something as simple as just including on a job posting we encourage black, indigenous, people of color, and members of the queer community to, to apply. Mm-hmm. And I'm willing to bet that, you know, a lot of the tasting rooms staff that are that are predominantly white, there are probably people of color who wanted to apply, but they looked at the website and was like, oh, they're all white, they're not going to want me then. Yeah. So and you need to be explicit in saying, and you need to prioritize. Like, you need to say, we want, we want to diversify. And we, if you are a person of color, identify yourself as one, and we will make you sure you are one of our, like, first resumes looked at, and you are a priority hire. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, and I, I know that there's going to be probably some people on listening to this podcast right now that are, you know, that are probably hiding behind, you know, their, their headphones that will say, we only hire who the best candidate is. Yeah. So, um, when you hear that, what, what kind of, what comes to mind? What, like, what would you say to that? Well, when you hire the best candidate, that means you're not taking a chance on someone who could actually be better than the best candidate. Yeah. You're taking a chance on someone who's had a very privileged life. Maybe someone has, you know, they've done the first round of Cicerone serving and, you know, you have someone who doesn't have that. Why? But it's, it's, if, you, if you actually want to be diverse, take a chance on people and then give them the training, give them the education. Yeah. And I'm sure there's this and I, I don't know this, but I'm, I'm assuming that there's a bias of when you're when you're I don't do any of the hiring at Steel and Oak anymore. Um, but there's probably a bias of hiring people that seem like you because, you know, how you operate. So it seems easier to deal with somebody that like thinks along the same lines as you or, or that looks like you or that, you know, and, um, which is going to, I can tell you the worst thing as a business owner is to have a bunch of other people that just think the same way as you or operate the same way as you. Yes. You need to have somebody who you can work with well and who will uphold your values, but will, will challenge you when you need to be challenged. Like if you, you need people on your team, like your staff who are yeah. like, you can't have high, you can't have all high stools. You gotta, you gotta do this. You need people who, who will be the, the, the best team you can have with the right encouragement, but also call out your bullshit as needed. Yeah. And do you, um, have you found that since, you know, Burry has been starting to get called out or, you know, or at least not even called out, but starting to just make, um, at least make statements or, um, moves to try and do the right thing or try and just be better spaces, do you, um, have you seen evidence of that, of people, you know, of breweries really trying to engage and actually try and do better? Or, or have you found that a lot of it has just been lip service or what you'd say is performative, um, what, what did you performative say? Performative allyship. Yes, right. Or uh, my favorite word for it is slacktivism. Slack, that's great. <laughs> slacktivism. Slacktivism. You just sit, uh, sit behind your Instagram account, yeah. go to Black Square, don't do anything. Yeah. Um, I... I've seen more of that. I really, I've gotten some messages from breweries who are like, you can stop yelling at me now. We're doing these three things. I'm like, that's lovely. Can you tell people that? Yeah. Like, can you share that? Because if you don't share this, you're just going to come across as like, we have a statement and we're going to, we're going to donate to charities. 
but if you don't put your seats out there and say, here's, you know, we're going to give to Rainbow Refugee, we're going to give to the Urban Native Youth Association, we're going to give to whatever, we, we're not going to know this. And then I'm going to be like, well, you didn't actually come through, so bye. Yeah. But if you actually did, I want to support that, and I want to promote that to the community, and be like, look, these guys are actually walking the walk and talking the talk. Yeah. Go, go support them, because they're supporting the community. Yeah, no, that's, and that, I think, um, I mean, Steel and Oak, I've always, we've always at least tried to do our part with, you know, with doing charitable brews and picking different charities all the time to, to try and support. And then there's this, like, this, this awkward moment where we're like, well, should we post about how much money we, like, or, or you know, it's, it's like what, to try and figure out what's, you kind of want to be, like, at least I'm fairly humble with it. I'm like, okay, well, we, you want to say we donated to this cause, you can too. Or, or yeah. we believe in it and this is why. And if, if it seems like something that you would believe into, here's how you can learn more about it and, and help out as well. Yeah. And, and, um, and so, you know, and maybe that's, maybe I've just corrected myself and that's the right way to approach it, right? Yeah, I would, I think that, um, I don't speak for everybody and I don't speak for all marginalized communities, but that's, that's a good way to do it. Like RMB approached me uh, and they said, look, thank you for, for keeping us on our toes. We appreciate it. We want to let you know that um, we have put us, posted the snippet of what we're going to do for action for the next month. And I was like, well, that's great. I'll support that. Yeah. And the post was like, here's what we're going to do. Here's the actions. Here's the groups. Please learn about them. Yeah. And I was like, that's, that's so easy to do. Do a Google. Find a charity. Yeah. <laughs> find a group. And like so many, so many organizations are hurting. I work in a nonprofit, like we're all hurting for money. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's a very nice gesture. Even like, even if you don't raise $10,000, every little bit goes towards some kind of program that's going to help people. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think there's, you know, I, I feel like there's so much work that needs to be done internally. That's not necessarily Instagrammable and that's okay. Right. And so I think it's trying to strike that balance of being like, you know, there's forward facing, um, activism or forward-facing charities to, to support and to help to try and encourage, you know, all of us in, in the beer industry have, you know, a good followers, a good amount of followers mm-hmm. on Instagram or Twitter or whatever we use. Yeah. And so how do we, you know, we have voices, right, that have, you know, that a lot of people listen to. So how do we use that for good? Well, not trying to, I guess, you know, try and boast about all the things that we're doing internally when really that should just be getting done regardless. Right. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be like, you know, this is our new hiring policy. Cause yeah. like that's, that's internal, that's in-house handle yeah. that yourself. But if you do like a charity brew and you give the money to an organization, promote that because maybe someone will be like, Hey, that's a really good charity. It's an, it's a organization close to my heart or a, a, a movement close to my heart. I want to help them out too. Yeah. Like there's no, there's nothing bad about sharing places that you're helping because they will get more help. Yes. Yeah. Do you think that um, that breweries generally care about equality? Sorry, what was that? Do you think breweries generally care about equality? <laughs> Do you think, like, deep down that most breweries actually care but just haven't done anything no. about it? So you don't actually think, like, internally, like, the people that run breweries actually give a shit I about think, it? Th- I think there are some people internally who do, yeah. and I applaud them for their efforts. I think overall, a lot of the owners are like, this is a business, business comes first. and right. Which was totally fair. Like, you are trying to make a profit, and you're trying to support your team. But you have to, at, at the core, too, realize you are a community hub, and your community is not just people who look and think like you. Yeah. You have to be actually inclusive. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that will change over the next couple of years, or do you think that this will be... I, I, I'm not going to shut up, so... Yeah. Well, no, which is good, because I, 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 you know, um, before I pause for a beer break, um, my next note is kind of that social media is helpful and a curse at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. Where it's yeah. like, you know, it gives us information, it forces us to act, um, but with everything in the world today, 
it's in and out sometimes often fast, right? And so yeah. how do, you know, in, unless, um, unless enough breweries put in like action plans and say like, this is an issue, we do not need to forget about this. Um, maybe, you know, you're definitely going to keep on breweries, which is great, <laughs> but I can almost guarantee that 75% of those, the voices are going to, to die out, right? Yeah. Just because something else has come up, right? That, that, you know, um, feels important at that time. And then that will move along. And, and, and I think that social media is curse, right? Is that, oh, yeah, yeah. and so I guess it's, it's, um, you know, do you think that, okay, if you could put a percentage and on how many breweries you think are actually going to continue to, to make changes and make strides and put work in over the next five years, let's call it, to become more inclusive spaces, what percentage would you put on that? In BC or across Canada? In BC. Who? Maybe a quarter. Okay. Across Canada, does it get better or get worse? Across Canada, I mean, I'm like, I feel safer at a lot of breweries at home than I do in all the ones in BC. Like, I know yeah. I can walk into Two Crows and not have anything to worry about. Yeah. I can go to Tide House. Except Jeremy's puns. Oh my God, Jeremy, I love you, but your puns are the worst. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I can also, what was that craft dinner beer that like, they made that orange peel beer. I'm like, Jeremy, is this craft dinner? What the fuck? <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. And yeah. He's like, no, it's not craft. Dinner. Yeah. Well, no, I can go to two crows and just, I know I'm, I can go there and it's fine. I can go to Tide House and be one of eight people at the bar. Yeah. And actually Tide House is doing the black is beautiful beer. Oh, right on. Tide House and Tadamagushar. Excellent. Um, oh, good. Still waiting for some BC breweries to jump Who's, on that. What did Gladstone? Gladstone, Gladstone and Northpaw. It? Northpaw's doing it. Okay, that's great. The only black-owned brewery in BC. I'm like, what? yeah. guys, can, can the white guys do something, please? Yeah, no, that's totally fair. <laughs> that is totally fair. What is the beer? It's an Imperial Stout, right? Yep. Okay. Which, we were lacking those in BC. Especially in the summertime. God. I mean, every season is Stout season, Jordan. Yeah, we made a Stout last year in, uh, with uh, Blood Brothers. And, yeah, I know. Uh, and yeah. it was so good. Yeah, and because I, and I, I like a dark beer in the summer, too. And especially if it's like, I mean, I like a lower ABV one, right? And, so you uh, don't drink the, you know, get hammered making dinner before exactly, you right? your <laughs> Yeah, yeah but, um, but that was, beer was delicious, right? And, um, but it's funny how people's mentality changes about dark beer in the summertime, right? Yeah. Like they just... For whatever reason, like I can't drink that now. It's 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 not it's not dark beer season. It's not dark lager season. We'll just you know we'll buy half of the same amount. That's right? bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Let's take a quick beer break. I'm gonna save it and then we'll uh, we'll come back and chat a little bit more right, cool. if you have time. Oh yeah yeah. I'm on my vacation this week, so sweet. Beer Life Podcast Beer Break is brought to you by Vessel Packaging Co. We've been using Vessel since uh, day one at Steel and Oak when we first started canned our, our first beer, which would have been Royal City Ale in 2015, and um, they've been great partners with us ever since. Most people know Vessel for their mobile canning service, which, of course, we use them for. Um, it's wonderful. They come in, set up, uh, get you going, get your beer out of bright and into cans uh, as quick as possible, and then they're out the door. In fact, uh, on Tuesday, I was supposed to hit the canning line at 4 to help package for the rest of the day, but they brought in a new five-head filler, and they were done by 3, so I didn't have to do anything, which is wonderful because I didn't feel like it. Um, But aside from mobile canning services, which they're known for, um, they actually do all things, cans, lids, uh, everything that you can possibly think of to get your beer into a can and onto the shelf, they can help you with. They do printed cans, labeled cans, blanks. They can help you with shrink sleeves, um, standard sizes, sleek, slim, 355, 473, all liners for all beverages. Um, They can supply you with basically any can that you need. Also, too, if you're listening to Beer Life and you're in Ontario, Quebec, uh, anywhere else in this country, um, including the territories, 
Vessel actually services your area. So no matter where you are, Vessel can come out and help you with your canning needs. Um, they also have all scales and types of customers. So if you think you might be a little too small to deal with Vessel or you think you're actually too large, that's not the case. Whether you do thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, hundreds of millions, Vessel can help you out. And they also do all beverages. So whether you have a brewery, a sattery, whether you do wine, water, RTD, CBD, anything that you can put into a can, the folks at Vessel can help you out. So definitely throw Vessel packaging into your Google to get your beverage product uh, out there to the masses. I've noticed that there's more, um, you know, black focus shows um, on Netflix these days, right? And I think it's almost like even my own parents are like, and, and my parents are wonderful people, but they've probably never had to, you know, it's just not something they've ever had to probably deal with or think about, right? Mm. And, um, but they're like, oh yeah, we watched the, the 13th on Netflix, yeah. right? And they're like, wow, we had no idea. And which is, I'm like, I actually had no idea. Right. Like I always assumed Bill Clinton was, you know, he was, you know, he was, he was totally pro black rights. I didn't realize he was the fucking guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I'm like, Oh my God. Right. Like, and, and, and I know he's admitted that it was a mistake eventually, I think, but I in a roundabout kind of way. I think he did. Yeah. Yeah. In a very political way. Right. Yeah. But it's, um, but at least I find that there, I think, I mean, I think at least white people are probably more engaged now with learning right i think so yeah and and i'm happy for that um given that canada has had a terrible history of Uh its treatment of people of color are you familiar with africville no there you go africville nova scotia is disgustingly racist like i i am from there it's my home i love it but fucking god guys do better africville was a black community that didn't have running water in the 60s then Shit. the city was just like, oh, we don't actually have proof that you guys own the land. We're going to tear it down and build a bridge. Watch Ellen Page's documentary. That's a really, okay. really good documentary about environmental racism in Nova Scotia that is a huge problem. And it is like, yeah, I mean, we're the fun fish province and yeah. how's she going by? Yeah, we're, we're cool people, but like there's a darkness there and we need to fix that. And yeah. we need to address that. Because I think everybody thinks of the Maritimes just this friendly spot where everybody just, you know loves and it's chill and it's calm and you know and, yeah, and yeah. obviously we've seen that's not the case with the obviously the horrific you know murders that took place you know a couple months ago and like yeah. and it's obviously there's I think I think that's also a very Canadian thing where you know we're recording this on July 2nd and yesterday was Canada Day and it was the first Canada Day that I've ever experienced where there was definitely um you know it was more about questioning what Canada actually is than yeah. than celebrating you know um yeah you know, 153 years of, you know, taking over the country. Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, I just, I always wonder, and, the, and maybe it's the pessimist in me that's like, well, people just forget about this eventually, you know, will people stop? No. Yeah. I don't think so. I, I think, I don't think so either. Like I think there's sometimes in, in history, there's these turning points. Right. And I feel like we're at it and I don't know whether it's because COVID has allowed everybody to actually like slow down and actually consider what's important. I have seen that argument from a lot of people online, actually, that because we're all kind of stuck in our houses and all we can do is just consume things. Yeah. Um, now we actually have time to take a deep look inside and be like, oh, shit, I am complicit in a systemic racist system. I need to step up or step out. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, I also think there's this kind of Canadian attitude that, um, that it's, not necess- it's not our problem, right? Like, we're not the U.S. Like, everything's yes. good here, right? You know? Yeah. Which is not the case. 
no. People, I have, I have very dear friends who are so well-meaning, but they're the definition of well-meaning white people. It's like, we're the best country in the world. I'm just like, really? Okay, so what are we doing about missing and murdered indigenous women? Yeah. What are we doing about uh, indigenous people who don't have running water? What are we doing about this and this and this? And then it's just like, we're the best country in the world. It's yeah. like, oh my God. I, we're very lucky to live here. I can live freely as a queer person. It's great. I recognize that this is on the backs of people who have been suffering for years. Yes. Yeah. When I think that, I, and I think, you know, when people struggle of what to do with all, with all the issues that are going on, it's like, it's just about acknowledging, right? It's about understanding, like, w- yep. you know, that why, why, why does Jordan, uh, you know, 30-year-old white guy get to be able to take out a loan from a bank to be able to start a brewery, right? Yep. Why did they give me money, right? And, and, um, and it all, you know, there's, there's a reason for that, right? Yep. And, um, and it, like watching that the, th- the 13th, it, I, it was so eye-opening to know that there's literally like red zones where they don't loan out money to black communities, right? And that they still exist or they were existing up until, well, they probably still exist on paper somewhere hidden. Yeah. You know, that, that there's, I'm sure there's some banks and lenders that still follow it, right? And it's just, I don't know, the whole, uh, I find that often, like, and we were talking about this when I, I don't think I was recording, but like, you know, it's overwhelming, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's almost like you have to make a list of, priorities right and where to start and where to learn and then how to move on and so if if you are talking to a bunch of brewery owners right now they're probably wondering okay where do I start and um without giving them too much information so they can actually pay you to come and (laughs) give them information um first few steps where to start how to you know how to at least extend an olive branch to be like okay we get it um this is what we're going to try and do for the next little while. Like, look at your hiring policies. Look at how you've been posting jobs in the past. Look at how you've been presenting yourself on social media. Is your social media feed mostly white people drinking in your tasting room? Is it mostly straight-looking white people in your tasting room? Um, maybe reconsider that. Yeah. Um, in terms of, like, racial diversity, I'm, I'm so white, I'm practically see-through. Like, I'm not going to speak to racism I've experienced because that doesn't exist. I mm-hmm. do not experience it. Um, but there are people out there. Um, Ren Navarro is a great resource for diversifying tasting rooms and the beer industry. Um, I forget her Instagram handle. I think it's beer diversity. Beer diversity. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to Ren. Follow Ren. Look at yeah. what Ren's doing. There is an amazing resource right there on your phone, on your Instagram app. You have no excuse not to look at her stuff. Yeah, I, I, I saw this. She did. Um one of the podcasts, one of the bigger beer podcasts. I can't remember which one it was. I think it's out of Quebec maybe, but I remember the title was, was so poignant. It was overlooked to overbooked, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Which is, which is crazy, right? Cause yeah. I'm sure Ren's phone is ringing off the hook of people trying to get in touch, be like, what do I do? Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't want to speak for Ren, but like, I would be like, where the fuck were you? Oh yeah. No, I'm just like, you guys should have been doing this since like when you were like planning your space you should have been discussing this with Ren. Yeah. Or somebody local. Yeah. Yeah. And I hope that that is the, you know, because when, when a lot of us start these things up, there's no like how to do business book, right? Or I mean, there is, but they're almost more bullshit. <laughs> and, but like, you know, when you have, a, you know, when you have a hospitality side to your business, um, there, there should be some standard operating procedures of like, okay, like, you know, we need to make sure that, you know, it's like the, you know, the all gender washroom, right? Yeah. And, and, um, that we should include. Right. Yeah. And, um, and some basics, yeah. but, um, and so with, um, you know, and then there's also some good, if you're listening from a brewery, there are some 
um, good resources if you're following its diversity in brewing, right? Yep. Yeah. Um, can we talk a little bit more about diversity in brewing and kind of what what the goal is with it and some of the initiatives that um, that you've already taken on um, uh, especially with the KPU program and everything like that. Yeah, so the KPU program um, is something I wish I could <laughs> was around when I was younger because I would have jumped all over this. Uh, a scholarship has been set up via Diversity in Brewing uh, to help uh, queer, black, indigenous people of color, um, or not queer, get uh, financial assistance in the brewing program at Kwantlen. And the woman in charge of the, the initiative has been contacted by uh, 20-ish breweries, I think, so far. Yeah. And a lot of them are like, we, we can't commit to X amount, but we can give you like $300. Like, we want to really help. And then there's been other breweries who are like, we're going to give you five grand, and we're going to get the students who get the scholarship to come to the brew house for a day and do a collab, and like, we'll show them the ropes, and like, we'll, we'll start to finish. That's great. Yeah, I'm like, that's good. Get them in the door, get them getting connections, like, yeah. help them out. Like, don't just throw money at a problem, do the action behind it. When I think that's the. Um... <clears throat> Because like, that's a, such the easy solution, right? It's just to throw yeah. money at it. And they'd be like, well, we did our good deed for today. We can yeah. check it off and move <laughs> along, right? And um, I know that, um, I mean, internally, a lot of us, you know, people in my, I guess my circle of friends that I call friends in, in the beer industry, I think everybody's like, okay, well, how do we, how do we help? What do we do? Mm. And a lot of people were reaching out, I think, to KPU to start these um, these scholarships so it's nice that now that there's you know obviously diversity in brewing that yep. it can at least get filtered through so that we have the maximum amount you know there's the maximum amount of good that can come from it rather than a whole bunch of different breweries trying to do the same thing individually right? yeah it's it's good that this is like organized and it's funneled through something and um there's it's it's going to be a recurring thing so yeah um, yeah which, which is it's just great like there needs to be like i said from the top down from the back out diversity yeah well and i wonder um you know, I'd, I'd written down it was something that, you know, we'd, I guess at the beginning we were so focused on just getting women into beer, right? Mm-hmm. That um, it's like, well, what are we doing wrong? Um, and at what level do we need to re-educate people or to let them know that, that brewing is even an opportunity for them, right? And so, you know, in the back there, I have a, an engineer, um, and all these people would get paid more doing their other jobs, just so you know. So if you are an engineer, you're like, I'll get into beer. Just be an engineer. And, yeah, I went uh, back to a nonprofit because I was getting <laughs> paid more money. <laughs> um, but, like, we have an engineer. We have a KPU grad. Uh, we have a Red Seal chef. Um, we've had, you know, we've had people with no uh, post-secondary education. We've had uh, uh, microbiologists. We've had, you know, there, there are so many... Um, you know, so many educational backgrounds that, or just home brewers that translate well into what we do in the, in, and the brew house side of, yeah. of the industry. And so I've always struggled and I've chatted with Ben Coley about this lots. Like what, where how, this is a problem that goes back deeper down the, the chain of, of, you know, just people coming out of university and being like, I want to get into beer. It's like, how do we talk to people in high school or people and be like, you know what, you know, that science degree that you want that can translate well into making fermentable products or, or like, yeah. you know, and I think there's always been this, this difficulty with that because you're talking to kids about making alcohol for a living and there's this stigma that goes along with yeah. that. And I, I, there's part of me that hopes that with this COVID thing, it seems like liquor laws are starting to be a little bit more relaxed oh, and I, I, hope and, so. and, I, I hope I, and I feel like, I mean, I know at Steel and Oak, like 
we're really on it about like responsible drinking. Like craft beer is supposed to be about trying a few different things. It's not about grabbing your 24 pack and getting just fucking wasted. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like, I want there to be this like nice, you know, this bridge between like kids that can't drink, but knowing that it's okay to be able to work in an alcohol. It's it's like career days. Like you have fireman, uh, politician, (laughs) pusher of illegal products until you're a certain age. Yeah. Well, so our old mine, Jamie and I, my business partner went to check your bingo card, um, went to, uh, the same high school and he's a real estate agent, which sucks. And because if you ever follow, I mean, he's going to listen, he listens to the podcast and, uh, and, and real, being a real estate agent's tough because it's just marketing and you have to be self-promoting yeah. all the time. And, um, so it's exhausting to, to, if you follow, if you follow realtors on Instagram, you know what I'm talking about. I try not to, cause I'm just like, I don't care about your perfectly staged million dollar mansion in case no. I will never be able to afford. No. It's, it's exhausting. And, uh, and he does a good job of trying to be, of being engaging and, and, uh, and, and he's at least self-aware that it's, yeah. it's, you know, um, but he always gets asked to do the career day at our old, um, <laughs> high school, the real estate. I like, I run a brewery. That's way cooler. That's so cool. Right. Then, and, but they never ask me because there's that stigma that like some parent is going to be like, we heard that you were talking to our, our child about, you know, making alcohol. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm <laughs> As not if gonna, the kids aren't already drinking. <laughs> no shit. They have the internet too. Right. Like they know how to make their own beer. Like, you know, it's, it's like, they can do it. Um, and oh, I'm going to have to deal with that with my own kids. Now I think about it. I brought it up. Oh, yeah. See, now you just, you've jinxed yourself for the Shit. future. You're going to find your kids like homebrew barley wines and you're just like, no, God, no, yeah, please well, don't do that. I'm trying to make it like we, we try and do a, a good job of being like, well, you know, d- you don't drink beer because it makes you silly. Right. That's why dad has like one or like it's like, yeah, it's yeah. trying to navigate how to make it normal and not something that they should be afraid of. Yeah. Well, you know, and I think it's it's fuck, being a parent um, is like it's tough because you want to raise these little humans to be good people. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same point in time, your own biases that have been, you know, entrenched in you from your parents and from their parents and, you know, so forth that it's like, it's hard to, we catch ourselves all the time. Yeah. Right. And, and wait till they start school and then there's external factors you oh, have no control over. Yeah. Like even this morning, um, my son Lennox, who's going to be two and, um, he's obsessed with cars, right? Boy cars. Right. Like I'm like, how did this happen? Right. I'm terrible with cars. I don't care about cars. I'm not into cars. And, and, um, but our other son, Jude, who's five, he'll be five. He also is obsessed with, with cars and trucks. And like, he's obsessed with, um, he's a very sensitive kid and he's lovely. Like I always say the people, the world needs more Jude's in it. And, but he's obsessed with, you know, no one can see my air quotes because of the podcast. I'm sorry, but with boy stuff. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, but I've never been obsessed with boy stuff, you know, and, and at least I never thought I, I don't camp. I fucking don't care about cars or trucks and I'm not. Ham- you go to the spa in Whistler. I do. Right. <laughs> no, I listen to the podcast. Yeah. Like I, I, you know, I literally give two shits about tools, about fixing things, about fishing. I mean, we're vegetarians, so we don't do that. Any- like I just, like I, I, and you so, sound like you belong in East Van. Yeah. Jesus Christ. I'm like, where did this come from? Right? <laughs> and uh, I still don't know. And uh, But then I also, too, like, during this process uh, of COVID and being home, um, we've used TV as a, as a crutch, for sure, to, yeah. to get through. And most of the kids shows on Netflix are actually, they're fairly gender-specific, right? Like, I don't think kids 
kids entertainment yet has done a good enough job of, you know, and, and I wonder if it'll take, you know, our generation or maybe it's fucking their generation to start to develop programming. I mean, you're, you know, pop culture better than, than I do from based on the podcast I've listened to you on. (laughs) Um, you know, so if, if, you know, do you, they, they're obviously not getting, there's not enough representation out there no. in, in entertainment to, for, for a kid or even somebody that's my age or my parents' age to, to realize what's actually happening. No, and I, I made this comment, actually, my wife and I, um, we just did an interview with uh, a, like a fairly well-known um, queer journalist uh, who's done a lot of like queer conventions and panels and moderate stuff. And one of the questions we asked her was, um, so it's great that there's things like, like She-Ra. She-Ra is run by a queer woman. Uh, the writer's room has a really diverse uh, cross-section of people. It had one of the only non-binary <laughs> characters I've ever seen on TV. Um, I can actually probably count how many I've seen on TV. Uh, but it's it's Netflix. It's not on cable. And it's right. still behind a paywall. And something like Pose right. in Canada is on FX. And it's, you know, it's an all-black trans cast. Yeah. Minus Billy Porter, I think. Again, cable channels. Vita, an amazing, amazing Latinx show about queerness and family. It's it's brilliantly done. It's on stars. Right. So it's out there, but it's behind a paywall. So it's an accessibility issue, not just for queer people, but it's an accessibility issue for people who don't have money, people who are who are poor. Like it's like I can pay for my stars account or I can like have electricity. Yeah. So it's something we need to we need to start breaking down barriers, not just in like in tasting rooms in businesses you have to make things accessible across the board i never thought of it that way because um which is yeah that's that's you're right i mean it seems so simple and then but that makes a ton of sense like i always thought that you know i think of netflix and um you know those the, the pay-to-play um you know tvs <laughs> yeah. uh that's a good beer reference for you um <laughs> you know which we all we don't have cable we just have netflix right that's, yeah. and um but in my mind i'm like Netflix is great because they don't have to appease advertisers. They don't have to. So they're allowed to put this content on. Whereas you look at like free, quote unquote, free television or regular TV, like ABC owned by Disney isn't going to, isn't going to fuck with that because they don't, they want to make sure that, you know, the craft family still advertise on their, their, their program. Right. Yeah. I remember watching, um, on Netflix, there's the David Letterman has this interview program that he's done and Ellen was, um, Ellen was on. And, uh, and I didn't realize like when, um, you know, when she had her own, her old show, um, that like advertisers were just up in yeah. arms and they were pulling out, you know, because of this, right? She, yeah. She literally lost her job because she came yeah. out, oh, which I, was a great message for me to see as a kid. Yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I watched an episode. It's, it's still on YouTube. It's called the puppy episode. They couldn't even name it the coming out episode because the writers were so scared they were going to like not have it be shown. And she was like, we have to fucking do this. Yeah. So they called it the puppy episode. Yeah. Just to sneak the the front page by the censors. If if I mean and if if you're I mean if you haven't seen her interview with the with I can't remember what it's, what the David Letterman program's called. My now. next guest, right? Needs some introduction or something. Yeah, yeah, and some of them are okay, and some of them are hitting like the Kanye ones, shit. But anyways, but the Ellen ones, it's incredible, and it's like I remember like Alyssa and I were tearing up, you know, just hearing her, you know, she talks about her sexual abuse as a child, and and yeah. like and and you can tell she doesn't want to open up about it entirely, but then she does, and like. But I, I just don't think you think of Ellen as like the super positive, you know, television. Except that she's actually not. No. <laughs> well, and, and obviously I haven't been paying attention to Ellen enough, right? Because I don't watch Ellen, right? And I don't have, you know, and, I, and so I watched the old, I remember watching her sitcom. Oh, yeah. And, um, it was hilarious. But because we don't, 
have regular cable vision. Like I don't, I only see the Ellen show when she says, or is it the Ellen show is the new one? What's her, the new one called? I don't Ellen? watch it anymore because she's friends with George Bush and apparently she's not paying her staff. Really? Yep. Oh, fuck. When, when COVID happened, she shut down the show because, you know, can't social distance in the studio. Yeah. Um, told the staff, oh, you'll be paid. Didn't pay them for like two months uh, and then hired non-union workers to come to her house and film her in her living room. This took a turn I didn't think it was going to take. <laughs> Wow. You can tell my, my background is pop culture first, beer second. <laughs> yeah, which for me, pop culture is probably like, you know, 150th. Like I, I there's, you know, um, wow, really? Yep. Damn. Now, now I'm going to have to relook at that shit. <laughs> shit. I'm just here to like ruin your day, Jordan. No, it's all good. It's all good. It's now you can't ruin my day. I've got a beer creativity meeting this afternoon, which we were so busy that we hadn't had time to like just get together, have some beers as the brew team. Oh, nice. And so I'm going to have a couple of beers this afternoon. So my day is good. I'm going to I go, I have to go home, take care of the kids for a few hours. While Alyssa goes in, puts tile up at her new office. I feel bad. They, during COVID, um, her company that she works for, um, Persinium Architecture Interiors, if you're looking for an interior design company or architecture company, <laughs> oh, you have to pay me. Um, but anyways, they moved uh, above the new MEC on second. Yep. Yeah. So, um, MEC is one of their clients that they, they deal with. And so they moved into the new office space. Well, they moved air quotes again. This is terrible podcasting. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, because they, they had to move during COVID. Right. Yeah. And so no one's there everybody's working from home. And, um, but she's there today putting up tiles, I guess, for, for whatever reason, she's good at that. She keeps everything very even. If she put the, the, the restroom sign up, it would have been totally <laughs> my wife's office had to do a, a move recently too they live they were in a city building and it's going to be torn down for yeah. condos i'm sure so she's like i haven't actually seen the office yeah yet. i hope it's nice <laughs> i think a lot of um not to get off topic but like a lot of businesses are going to relook at like is that expensive office space in downtown vancouver really worth it probably not no and could it be affordable housing probably probably right <laughs> and uh, i know my sister-in-law works for rbc and she's been working at home for years, right? And because RBC used to have, she was at Broadway and Granville and it got expensive. And so they moved their offices to, I think, Rupert Skytrain Station area. And, but they offered working from home for, I think, you know, a good percentage for their employees because they realized that it's cheaper for them to work at home than it is for them to rent the, get the office space, right? So yeah, it'll be interesting to see where everything comes out after this is all. I know Alyssa would love to get back to work, but that's at the office, but that's only because the, the kids I'm trying to manage both at the same time. <laughs> my, uh, my ex's sister-in-law said, I love my kids. I love my kids so much. I love them sometimes. I'm the most of the time. Yeah. Most of the time. <laughs> yeah. And that's exactly what we're, you know, and most of the time it's great. You're like, oh, this is nice. I'd never get to spend this much time with, with them, you know? And, um, but at the same point in time, I'm like, oh man, like I don't, I, I don't know how you could just hang out with a child for and I have two of them, but how do you hang out with a child all day? <laughs> like yesterday I had them all day and Alyssa came home and th- this is how, okay, this is this, this, and if you know me, this is how, how bad, not bad. Cause that's not the right way to say about your kids, but Alyssa comes home and she's worked a whole day. I've had the kids all day and she's like, do you want to have, just have a beer and we'll just watch TV. And hundred percent. Normally I would say yes. Last night I went for a run. Because I needed to get out and I not to get out from her. I just needed to like, just get out. And, and, and so I'm like, you know what? I'm okay. I'm going to go for a run. She's like, what? <laughs> and I was like, you're right. I know this sounds crazy. I'm obviously losing it, but you know, but it was needed. So. Yeah. My mom was like, she, for a while she was a stay at home mom. And I'm just like, 
I was a nightmare child. My brother was a nightmare child. He was worse than me. I didn't get caught doing half the shit I got caught doing. He got caught doing everything. You, you want to stay home with this? Oh, no, no, no. No, no, <laughs> no definitely not. Um, okay, so to get back into the beer side of things, yeah. Um, and for brew owners listening, can you take me through... Uh, and I've tried to do a lot of research on it, so I'm really saying take me through, but this is for you brewery owners at home that haven't looked into it yet. Can you do a quick pronouns for dummies course? <laughs> sure. Where do you want me to start? So I think, um, so I was having this conversation with, um, with my teacher friend actually. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, um, there was, uh, actually I won't say who, because it doesn't matter for this, um, topic, but I was always the understanding that it was, you know, it's, it's he, him, um, you know, they, them, but I'd had, I've seen a few signatures lately, actually more than, than, um, more of, maybe I've just been paying more attention lately, but are like she, them, or Mm -hmm. so you can, I mean, I know right now everything's (laughs) fluid. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Right. Which is the way it should be. So is that just wanting to, you're okay with being referred to as either or, or okay. Yep. Um, so, I mean, cisgendered people, male, female. Yeah. Um, he, him. But then, you know, when you factor in trans identities, uh, trans women are women, trans men are men. You can at me if you hate me. I will block you and then make fun of you. Uh, <laughs> and non-binary identities are valid. Um, I have uh, indigenous two-spirit friends who use she, they. Right. I have another indigenous two-spirit friend who only uses they. Right. And because the two-spirit thing is something that is new to me. Yeah. That I just learned about this morning. Oh, as okay. I was preparing for this, um, <laughs> because when I went on the um, uh, Diversity and Brewing website, um, I noticed that that is how it's listed. I wanted to make sure that I had my acronyms correct, right? Mm-hmm. And um, and I was like, oh, and so I looked more into it. It's actually quite lovely. Oh, yeah. The, the, you know, the, the whole, can you explain the two-spirit? Uh, that's probably best for somebody who is actually indigenous to get into the, the big details of it. Yeah. Um, but it, it's similar to being non-binary, where you don't identify within male-female gender. It's a little bit fluid. Um, it, there's, I think with, um, two spirit identities, there is a spiritual element to it. Um, yeah. but again, I'm white. I'm not indigenous. I just, you're really good at like, I, I will like sitting across all I can see at the very top of my, is my quote, nothing about us without us. And you're really good at doing that. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, I've, you've done it a few times. Like, you know, we're like, I'm about as pale as they get. So it's not <laughs> fair for me to comment on that. And I think that's like, that's such a white guy thing to do is to comment on other, like, you know what I mean? The yes like just, guy, the actually guy on Twitter, the comment guy on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, the, the common reply guys. Yeah. Reply guys on Twitter. Well, yeah, it's a thing. Like, I know a little bit about it, but it's not my culture. I'm not no. going to be the definitive, like, this is what it is. Yeah. Because my friend, Jem, would have a definition. My other friends may have one that's similar, but a little bit different. Yeah. Based on their experiences, based on their life. So yeah. I would say it's, it's similar to not identifying within the gender binary, but there's an indigenous element to it. Um, do a Google. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which do, is what I did this morning. It was super enlightening. And actually it came from, um, the definition and everything that I had found, I actually found super helpful was from, um, the BC kids helpline. Yep. The kids and helpline has actually done a lot of work lately to be inclusive. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's, you know, it's me commenting on it, so it's not entirely fair cause I, you know, um, but it, it was very, it, I read it and I'm like, this, this is great. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it felt like I was like, Oh man, like I, I, I'm sure there's so many people that I went to school with and, and friends of mine now that just wish they had a resource, right? Yeah. Or is that a resource you could point your parent to, 
to to understand yes. things. I mean, I, a part of that is I think I, because my background is so academic. I was I did a master's degree in gender studies. I think a lot of the gender studies stuff in in canon, let's say air quotes in canon, yeah, um, is is based on research and empirical evidence. So yeah. it's like, oh, there's the textbook on identity says this. Well, okay, that was published five years ago, and that paper was written five years ago. So that information is actually ten years old. Yeah. How about wild idea? You would stop looking at you know academically based research. And just fucking talk to trans people about their yeah. experiences. Like, I, I'm, I'm a latecomer to my identity because I didn't know this was a fucking option. Yeah. Fair <laughs> like, enough, yeah. I was like, because nothing made sense as a kid. I felt really wildly uncomfortable as oh, being identified as a female. Hated it. Definitely don't want to be a dude. Not taking any hormones. Um, but I just like, I don't want that either. If I could just be like an amorphous blob with no yeah. gender, that would be ideal. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but like I didn't know this was an option until I was in my late twenties. Then it was like, click. Oh, now it makes sense. Now this is cool. Now I know what this make. This is this is something. This yeah. is this makes sense. I can I can go with this. Do you find that even you know with you know obviously the acronym gets larger and larger? That do you find that um, it's helpful to have a um, I don't want to say a title, but like an actual word to identify with? Or do you think that we'll eventually get to a space where there just there's there are no words that define any of it, right? It's no, I just... think I think it's good to have I think it's good to have identities and labels. Yeah. Um, some people like you know non-binary is is the umbrella term for like agender, gender fluid. I mean, gender fluid is its own thing. Um, so it's 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 like you start here and then go down, go down yeah. the, the, the staircase. And I mean, there's oh god. Gender fluid, demisexual, aromantic, asexual, all this kind of stuff that filters into the queer community. And it's it's a lot. And I recognize that it's a lot. Yeah. But if your reaction is to be like, oh, the alphabet soup community, like that's that's shitty and don't do that. Yeah. Take the time to learn what the acronym is. Yeah. Like if you're just gonna brush it off as like, oh, it's too many letters, you're part of the problem. When I think and I and I, I hate to keep harping back on kids and being a parent, but like for me, even doing the research this morning, it's like just also arming yourself with with information to be able to like you're likely going to have to have some yeah. conversations some some you know which should be hard or or they're going to be hard conversations and be supportive conversations and like if you don't if you don't know your shit you're not going to be a, yeah. a helpful parent right and yeah and i mean like your your kids are going to probably encounter this and you know there might be a time where they come home and like why does my friend have two dads yeah why does my friend have uh, what looks like a mom and a dad but one parent doesn't isn't called mom yeah. Like what, what's with that? So then you have to kind of navigate the thing. And this is why it's good to just to get into this. Like, you know, there's, there's men who are born men and they stay men. There's women who are born women and they stay women. And then there's people who are born and, and what they were assigned at birth doesn't match with who they are inside. Mm-hmm. So they go through a process to become who they actually are. Yeah. And sometimes people are born with a gender and then they decide they sometimes like to be another gender. Yeah. So they identify as both. Which is like, it, it, it's crazy that it took us this long to like, what a wonderful thing to be able to tell a kid. Yeah. Right. Like, <laughs> you know great. what I mean? And like for, for so long, you know, I'm sure parents and especially religious parents were probably like just so paranoid that they were like, what a wonderful thing to be able to tell your kid. Right. Yeah. Like, you know, that, that it's, it's cool. It doesn't like, you know, yeah. you just be you. Right. You just be, yeah. Like my, one of my closest friends has two kids and these kids are like, they're, they're so cute and they're adorable. And she's just like, I, I just let them do their thing. 
Yeah. They want to wear a cape to the grocery store. I was like, okay, yeah. Yeah. You want to wear your Halloween costume? Yeah, okay, that's fine. As long as you have a jacket on because it's cold out. Yeah, basically. <laughs> they, live, they live in the interior. She's like, I don't care what you wear and what you want to like present as today. Yeah. Just dress for the weather, for the love of God. I'm not doing laundry again. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, no, the, the pronoun thing, I think it's, if we can normalize that, I think that would be fantastic. Yeah. And like, like it goes back to that thing of starting from the top down inside in your processes. Like, don't, don't assume, don't be like, don't gender people because like for me, it's like, I don't look very feminine <laughs> and I'm in the process of getting gender affirmation surgery. I started that process. So it'll be a little more obvious that like, I'm not assigned a gender at birth and I identify outside of that right. like in about a year or so so for me when I if we're out and people are like hey ladies I'm just like oh for the love of fuck. my wife looks at me and she's like ladies yeah <laughs> and I'm like I don't know yeah <laughs> um okay so the taste room's gonna open soon because Agatha just showed up so okay. we're gonna we're gonna have to which is I could talk for a long much longer because this is this has been really this has been wonderful um I really appreciate you invite me on this has been well no you call great. you you know like you reached out on Twitter and I was like no it, it's I think like the whole point of this podcast was to be able to like it's it, admittedly it was kind of self-serving to I was like okay how do I get people on that I just want to learn things from so that I can either run a better business or be a better human or, or, you know, and steal their ideas. Right. And, um, I will send you an invoice. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. And, um, but it, it's, but it also too, I don't think I realized at the beginning, the amount of industry people that come up to me and be like, Hey, thank you for doing this because we all have the same challenges, right? Like sometimes I feel like it's a, it's a bit of a, a complaint fest for me and like, and don't get me wrong. Like I, I love this industry, but like there's a lot of issues like what we're talking about today, like pay to play, like, you know, there's so many things that go down the line, things that are wrong with what on the outside looks like this, you know, this, this wonderful, you know, um, you know, this wonderful industry to be a part of that people are trying to get into because they're like, it just seems so great. And it is great. It is. It, It is compared to most other industries that I've worked in. It's the top because we can have conversations like this, Yeah, put it on the internet. And then all the people that, that follow steel and oak or our customers um, are going to listen to it. And they're going to be like, that's awesome. I learned a lot today. This is great. And then there might be 2%. They're like, what the fuck? And you know what? We don't need them anyways. Yeah. So I think that's a nice thing about it. Right. That's the thing. If you, if you trying to be inclusive and open and having these conversations alienates a few people, um, that's probably not a bad thing. Cause you don't want that, like that kind of clientele. You don't want people in here. Making people like me not feel welcome. No, and you definitely don't want like your steel and oak beer in some fucking white racist hands on on the internet. <laughs> yeah, for, really. There's no way, right? So okay, so uh, two more questions. Yes. Um, everything we chatted about today aside, just generalization. Yeah. Pet peeve for breweries. What is your pet peeve? Uh, gendered washrooms. Gendered washrooms. Gendered washrooms okay. and uh, lack of accessible. Like lack yeah. of uh, being accessible. Uh, there's a few places I've I've been to, and I'm just like, where's your ramp? Where are you? How do people with wheelchairs get in here? Oh, oh, there's like an elevator in the back. Eh, it's not accessible. No. Um, seating. I mean, you have accessible seating. That's great. Yeah. More of that is needed. Yeah. And I will, and I have no problem saying this because it's embarrassing. And I've I've literally I've I've been at tears about it before because if you walked in here, you can see that Steel Oak's not accessible to get in here, mm. and it is through the back. Yeah. But fucking telling somebody in a wheelchair they have to go through the back to get in, that's it's fucking embarrassing, yeah, right? Yeah, and that's and, like, it kind of harkens back to the 50s, like, go, like, white people front door, back yeah. people back door. It's and, not great. And the frustrating thing is, is because, like, and I won't get into too many 
details because no one here can see it. But like our sidewalk out here isn't even accessible. The only thing that's made this place accessible is when we were allowed to put that parklet patio out front because it made the sidewalk wide enough yeah. that we were able to do it. And um, so now at least there's some accessible seating finally where I don't have to embarrassingly make somebody in a wheelchair roll through the fucking brewery with brew hoses on the ground <laughs> yeah. and to, to come through, right? And One thing it, I've also... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, I purposely bought these circular tables that can, like, that were able to be lower or higher. And then it was like this fucking... Uh, I'm like, oh my God, I, you can't even get in here, right? And it's... it's So I, I just want... It's on mine and Jamie's list. Now that we have this, we have more space to be able to, like... Yeah engineer you know something proper right? one thing i've noticed too is i actually i don't think i've seen this in any brewery ever maybe one or two in the states uh no signs have braille on them that's yeah i'm, I'm writing it down okay. <laughs> no you're right you're right no you're totally right and it's and i think it's you know um uh, not that you know that's it's not totally relevant for a brewery space but like um i watched a video on instagram um, the other day on, um, it was on the history of Canada and, and why not to celebrate Canada Day or what you should be researching. And, mm. and somebody commented, be like, Hey, do you mind going forward, putting subtitles, what you're talking about? Because my sister-in-law is hearing impaired. So, she, um, so for her, she'd watch that video and, and not be able to understand what's yeah. happening. Right. And so it's just things that, you know, the Braille thing seems so straightforward, right? You yeah. know, it's part of code. You need to have and there's steps you need to have things that signify that you're going to step down to the next step. And, and so, yeah, the, that makes a ton of sense. I'm definitely writing that. Down. <laughs> Thank you. Send me your invoice, please. Um, okay. The, cause I like to try and it doesn't have to be positive, uh, cause I'm not going to tell you what to say. Um, but do you feel positive about our industry going forward or do you feel pessimistic about it? Hmm. I am... Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that small changes can be made. Yeah. It's going to take a lot, and it's going to take people being open to these conversations. These are not easy conversations to have. Like, I know that if you if someone's saying, hey, what you're saying is transphobic or homophobic, and your reaction is like, man, fuck you, I'm, I'm, I have gay friends. Okay, cool. But what you're actually engaging in right now is really not good. Yeah. If your reaction is anger and defense, think about why, and think about what's being brought to you. Acknowledge it, apologize, ask how you can do better, and then go from there. Wonderful. I want to thank my guest today, Bruce and Beer, for being on Beer Life. Uh, my name is Jordan Foss, and if, they, if people listening want to learn more about uh, diversity in brewing, it's diversityinbrewing.com, correct? Yes, it is. Bruce has a, a starter guide there for first steps okay. on how to be more queer inclusive. And you can also follow Bruce and Beer on Instagram as well. Yeah. Thank you for being on the program. Thank you for having me. This was great. Yeah.